Please make sure that you stop by the table in the back right now, get them checked in, and then you can pick them up uh, following the service downstairs in the kids' center or up in the nursery, depending on their ages. And as Pastor John just said in the video, we are in day eight of our 40-day prayer focus. And so if you have not yet picked up a book, uh, Draw the Circle by Mark Batterson. They are available in the back uh, for $10. I encourage you to pick one up out there. And... Um, we are on day eight, so if you haven't started praying and reading with us, it's not too late to start. Just start on day eight. Don't start on day one. Start on day eight, and uh, we'll just trust that God will catch you up on day one through seven. If you want to go back and read them later, you can, um, but <clears throat> we're trying to go through the book together and to allow God to just kind of put in our hearts the things that are in his heart for our church, for our body, and for our city. And so personally, as you go through this 40 days, uh, we're asking you to, to just trust God for full restoration in your life, in every relationship, every circumstance, everything that's going on in your life. Corporately, we are praying together for God's vision, God's direction for our church, specifically regarding the two things that we met with uh, last week or this past week. We had a family meeting to discuss the name change of our church to Restoration Church and then also to talk about the sale of this building and uh, the purchase of property downtown for a location. If you missed that meeting, it had been it was recorded. We've got copies of that. Uh, if you're a voting partner here at Huron First, uh, you should have received one in your mailbox with a letter from me explaining that. And so if you didn't get it, please let me know and uh, we'll make sure that we get you a copy of that. I'd encourage you, uh, if you've got questions or concerns that I can answer for you, just remember I'm available to you anytime that you need that. Also tomorrow morning is coffee and conversation at Aroma from seven to nine. And so I'd encourage you to come be a part of that. And uh, if we don't have to talk about the building project, you can talk about anything. We've talked about uh, how to overcome depression. We've talked about how to... Uh, overcome problems with children, and uh, all summer long, I've had opportunities to just interact with people. Sometimes people didn't come, they didn't want to know anything, they just wanted to have coffee, and so um, I've just taken to buying everybody's coffee the whole time, so even if it's not your first time, uh, it's on me, so go ahead and come, it'll be a great time. Last week, we started Draw the Circle. We talked about knowing the promises of God and circling or praying the promises of God in our lives and the two-part litmus test that we gave for our prayers. So as we're praying over these 40 days, here's the test of court that we should take all of our prayers and filter them through. Are our prayers in the will of God and are our prayers for the glory of God? And so that's what we want. We want over this 40 days for us to start believing and trusting for every Everything that's in God's will, by the way, if you're not sure of what God's will is, it's all right here. So anything that's in this book, you can pray and uh, it's fair game. And so we tell you to do it, uh, circle it, pray it. And today the challenge that's in front of us is that we dream big, dream big. And my prayer for us today is that God would just blow the roof off of human reasoning and the limitation that we put on God and that he would just blow it off of our lives. Because quite honestly, the only thing that can hinder God moving in our lives is the limitation that we put on him in our own thoughts. Amen. That's it. No power of hell, no demon, no, no sickness, no disease, no human being can actually stop what God wants to do in your life. The only thing that can is the cap that we put on it in our own human limitation. So my prayer is that God just blows that off today. And just this last week in the devotion that we've been reading, Mark kind of issued a challenge for us. And in that challenge, he told us that most of us 
pray prayers that have as their chief objective our own personal comfort rather than God's glory. Most of us, when we pray, are just concerned about our comfort and not really concerned about the glory of God. And he wants us to start stretching our faith and praying for God's glory to be seen in our situations and circumstances. So instead of just for praying for God to remove us from the difficulties, because sometimes God doesn't just want to remove us. He wants to empower us to get through it, not just to take it away. And he even used the illustration that the crazy thing is, is that I was at um, a Gideon lunch with, with Velmer just a few weeks ago. And at that lunch, one of the pastors was joking about another pastor friend that was just celebrating 40 years of ministry. And so he was celebrating this 40 years of ministry. And he said, I told him he doesn't have 40 years of ministry experience. He's got five years of ministry experience that he's repeated eight different times. Yeah, that's what, and, and we all laughed around the table, and that's what Mark said to us this week. He said, so many of us try to get God to just take us out of our problems, remove those difficult people from our lives, just get us out of this, make our life easier, and so we don't have 10 and 20 years of experience with the Lord. We've got one year of experience that we just repeat 10 and 20 times, and God wants to take us through this journey together and show his power and his glory in our lives in some of the practical ways and in some of the supernatural ways. And so we're, we're going through this series and we are praying like everything depends on God, but we're still working like everything depends upon us. And that, when you start marrying those two things together, you're setting yourself up for some amazing things. And that's what we're believing God for. And so I want us to watch, we've got just a short video from Mark Batterson again. Mark's going to kind of set up what we're going to talk about today. And he's going to share a testimony of God's healing in his life. And I'm, this is going to be important for us. So let's watch this. to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us to him be glory in the church and throughout all generations forever and ever amen that's one of my favorite benedictions it's one of my favorite verses ephesians 3:20 Just when you think you're dreaming big, God will often do something so much bigger and so much better than you can ask or imagine. In the last session, I told you about the 4.7 mile prayer walk that I did all the way around Capitol Hill. The northwest corner is Ebenezer's Coffee House at 2nd and F Street, and it was beyond what we could ask or imagine. But let me tell you about the southeast corner at 8th and M. There's a castle on Capitol Hill that sits right across from the historic Navy Yard, built in 1891 to fix streetcars. I'm actually on the roof of that castle right now because we own it. I give it a few years and it will be our Capitol Hill campus. Now here's the thing, 
I would not have asked or imagined this 20 years ago. Didn't have a category for a $29.2 million castle. Didn't have a category for a city block. But when you pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you, God has blessings and categories you can't comprehend. That's the message of Ephesians 3.20. And it's no coincidence that we signed the contract on this castle 18 years to the day from the day we prayed that circle. Here's what I believe. When God does a miracle, the way you steward it is by believing him for even bigger and better miracles. Ebenezer's Coffee House was a huge miracle, but the castle is next level. In a sense, our faith ceiling becomes our faith floor. And that's what we're gonna talk about in this session. You show me the size of your dream, and I'll show you the size of your God. It's time to dream big. What is your earliest memory? My earliest memory is waking up in the middle of the night unable to breathe. That's a scary thing when you're three years old. It was probably three or four in the morning. I walked into my parents' room and my dad rushed me to the emergency room where I got a shot of epinephrine. As that adrenaline surged through my body, my lungs opened back up. I'd go back home, go back to sleep, and that routine was repeated night after night, week after week. I have no idea how many middle of the night trips we made to the ER, but it was dozens and dozens. My earliest memory is an asthma attack, and so life is. We eventually went to the doctor, I got an inhaler, and for the next 40 years, I took a puff of that inhaler every single day, multiple times a day, with rare exceptions. There aren't 40 days in 40 years that I didn't have to take my inhaler, and I never went anywhere without it. I played basketball in college, but I had an inhaler in my sock. When I went to sleep at night, I'd have an inhaler under my pillow because I never knew when I'd need a puff. Now let me rewind and then I'll fast forward. When I was 13 years old, I had an asthma attack. It was too much for my inhaler. I went to the emergency room, ended up in intensive care and it got so bad that they issued a code blue. I thought I was taking my last breath and my parents were so desperate that they called the pastor of the church we had just started attending. Bob Schmidgall was at the hospital in 10 minutes. He had no idea that the 13-year-old kid he was praying for would one day be his son-in-law. I got out of the hospital a week later and a prayer team from Calvary Church paid a visit. We prayed that God would heal my asthma and God did a miracle. I woke up the next morning and all the warts on my feet were gone. Not even kidding. Now at first, I wondered if God had made a mistake. You know, maybe there were mixed signals somewhere between here and heaven. Couldn't help but wonder if there was someone somewhere who was breathing great, but still had warts on their feet. I was a little confused, but that's when I heard the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't an audible voice, but I heard it loud and clear. God said, Mark, I just wanted you to know that I'm able. And he's not just able, he's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. That promise 
got in my spirit and I held on to it for three decades. Now let me fast forward. On July 2nd, 2016, I was kicking off a series of sermons at National Community Church titled Mountains Move, and I challenged our church to pray the bravest prayer they could pray. Now by bravest prayer, I mean the prayer you can barely believe God for because it seems so impossible. It's the prayer you prayed a hundred times, but God hasn't answered it the way you wanted. For me, the bravest prayer was that God would heal my asthma. I had prayed that prayer hundreds of times, but I felt like I needed to pray it one more time. The one dimension of prayer is talking to God about our problems. But I think there are moments in life when you've got to stop talking to God about your problems and start talking to your problems about God. And that's what I did that day. And I haven't taken an inhaler from that day to this day. God healed my asthma. It's been more than a year and it's even more unbelievable to me than the castle. And so the challenge today is for us to pray that bravest prayer. What is it that you need to ask for just one more time or circle one more time? Because you and I don't always understand why our prayers don't get answered in the way we expect or in the timetable we expect, but that's above our pay grade. We're not supposed to try to figure that out. We're just, our job is to never give up. It's to be persistent. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a story about a woman, and she continues to go to a judge for justice day after day after day after day. And when he comes to the end of that story, he says, the, the point of this story is that justice got tired, and he, he answered that woman's cry for justice. And now shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them, though he doesn't answer right away. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Now, you might look at that and think, well, how can he bear long with them and do things speedily? It just depends on your perspective because a day with the Lord is like a thousand years to us. And so if you understand, though it seems like to us God is going to take a long time, when he does act, it's just going to happen like that boom. And I'm not saying God doesn't do progressive miracles, but when God acts, there's no doubt that God acts. And he moves speedily in our lives. So nevertheless, Jesus ends with this statement. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Or in other words, will he really find a people who are like this widow who just keep crying out, who keep circling, who keep trusting, who keep believing? Because as long as God hasn't said no, you keep asking and you keep trusting. The reason that we share answers to prayer like what Mark went through is because the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12 that we overcome believers by the blood of the Lamb, by what Christ did for us, and because of the word of their testimony. Now, he does add that we don't love our lives as to, though to shrink from death, meaning that we can't be afraid of the things that make us uncomfortable or could even kill us. If God says do it, you do it. And so we have to understand this testimony is a powerful thing because when we hear about what God did for someone else, it's a 
reminder that if he did it for them, he can do it for me. And if God did it before, he can do it again in my life and in my time. And so testimonies are literally how we borrow faith from someone else. It's a reminder. One of my favorite stories that Pastor Bill Johnson from Bethel Church in Redding, California tells is a story about a, a boy in, that uh, God had healed from a, a disease. He had kind of feet that were pointed out and he, he couldn't walk straight. And he was telling the story in a service about how God had, they had prayed and God had healed this little boy. And there was a grandma sitting in the service who had a child with club feet with just that same problem. And it, the child was in the nursery and something happened on the inside of her. Faith just began to rise up when he told this story. God did this for this little boy. God did this before. And she said, God, do it for my grandchild. And when she picked him up from the nursery, his feet were straight and God healed him. That's a miracle. See, here's the thing. Um, for some of us right now, we're just like, well, yeah. no big deal. God, God did a healing. God did a healing. I mean, even think about your, the warts being healed on your feet. That's no big deal, but um, unless you have warts on your feet, right? We are so underwhelmed with what God can do. There's such a cap on our brains. And here's the thing. You know why we get that way? Because we get weighed down. Because we've, we've asked and hope has been deferred. So you know what's happened? Our hearts have become sick. The Bible warns us, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So that I pray today that you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because I said so, but that something would light up on the inside of you. If the Holy Spirit lives in there, how can we not overflow with hope? How can we not look at situations and not see the problem, but see the possibility? How can we not believe that God is more than able to do immeasurably more than what we would ask or imagine for his glory throughout all ages? Amen. Amen. In Joshua chapter six, we come back, we started in Joshua chapter six last week, we'll come back to it today. The Lord says this to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king, and it's fighting men. Now, the nation of Israel has crossed over the Jordan River, and they're getting ready to go to this first city. It's a walled city, and God is going to tell them how that they're going to go about going into that city and, and overcoming those enemies. But look at what he says here. I don't want you to miss this, because God says it in past tense. I have delivered Jericho into your hands. He doesn't say, I'm going to deliver Jericho into your hands. He's already done it because God lives in a place that you and I do not live. He is not in time. He is outside of time. He is beyond our ability to comprehend. And he's already been where you're going and he's already delivered you because when he died on a cross, he said, it is accomplished. Not it might be or will be, it is and he breathed his last and it was done. And you gotta understand, gratitude is when we thank God for something he did. That's being grateful. God, thank you for what you did. But faith is thanking God for what he's about to do. And we have got to let faith rise up in our hearts and trust that God can do what he's promised to do. Verse three, God then says, here's what you do, Joshua. March around the city once with all the armed men do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of, or, of ram's horns in front of the ark or in front of the presence of God. 
On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. I don't know what you would have thought. I mean, it's easy for us because we have heard this story so often that we got a paradigm for it. But here's the thing. If you're the leader of an army and that's the word you get from the Lord, what are the chances that your men are just going to be like, oh, we're with you? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. How is walking around? I mean, did you ever see the VeggieTales version? Keep walking, but you will not walk down. No, you will not walk down our walls or whatever. That's the craziest thing that we've ever heard. Go ahead, keep walking. That's what the little peas say from the top of the wall. <laughs> Did you think it was just a creative thing? It's a story. It's true. And do you know what I believe this is a picture of? Because I believe that the Old Testament is a shadow of New Testament principle. Everything that is in the Old Testament shows us something about the character, the nature of God, something that we can apply to our lives. I believe this is a picture of persistence. I believe this is a picture of prayer. This is something that only God can do. Now, when the walls fell down, they had to go into the city and they had to, to kill. They had to do what they needed to do. But the walls had to come down by the power of God. They didn't knock the walls down. There's a difference between praying for something and praying through to something. If they had stopped walking on day six, the miracle would have been forfeited. It wasn't until the seventh time on day seven that the, the people shouted and the walls fell down. If you remember the story in the Old Testament of Elijah who prayed for rain that God had promised to send, remember God said, I'm going to send rain, rain, tell Ahab. And then Elijah went up and started to pray for what God promised to do. And if he would have stopped on the sixth time, would God have just done it anyway? Well, here's what I believe. I believe God already knew the faith that was in Elijah's heart, so God could make the promise because he knew Elijah was going to pray through. Naaman had to dip in the Jordan River seven times to be healed of his leprosy. If he would have gone down six, no miracle. Those things are written for us to remind us, you keep praying, you keep circling, because it's too soon to quit trusting God for the miracle. He is who he said he is. He is faithful. It's not just a great song we sing. Great is thy faithfulness isn't a hymn. It's a character trait of God. So I don't know what you're circling during these 40 days, but it better be bigger than you are, because Things that are bigger than us is how God gets glory. And I don't want to downplay the little ways that God shows himself faithful in our lives and helps us overcome and gives us power. But can I tell you something? God doesn't want to share his glory with your willpower. He wants to show up in your life in a way that people will look at it. Now, they may still mock God and they still may not believe it, but there's no question you did it by yourself. It's something only God can do. That's how he gets glory. So there's two important truths that I want to share with you today that I hope will shape our prayer lives over these next 40 days. Here's what they are. The first one is that God is bigger than big. 
I know that's so profound and so deep. Your life is, but it's so true. And here's the thing. We know it, but I, I want it to so infect our lives that we live like God is bigger than big. I don't want our first reaction when the doctor says cancer to be, oh, I want it to be, well, God, you are bigger than that. When our boss drops a pile of stuff on our desk and we're like, I had somewhere to go today at five o'clock. God, you're bigger than big. Either he can help you get that done or he can work your, the details out over here. We gotta trust God. We gotta stop overreacting to the situations and start reacting to the, or responding to the presence of God in our lives. He's bigger than big. But the second truth is this. God is closer than close. He is closer than than close. He is not so big that he has forgotten where you are and what is going on in your situation. And so I want to give you two scriptures. I want to give you first one from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9. Look at this. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. This is God talking to his people and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God compares the difference between our thoughts as his people, not people that are, are sinners and away from God, people that he knows, that are, they're his people, they got a relationship with him, okay? Our thoughts, God says that my thoughts, my ways are higher than yours and the comparison is as far as the heavens are above the earth. I want you to think about that for a second. Because what that means is on our best day, our best thought is 15.5 billion light years lower than God's. That's what he means by I can do immeasurably more than anything you would ever ask or imagine. Because even on your best day, your thought is that far lower than what's in my head. If you just let that sink in, what is impossible for God? The counterbalance to that is God is closer than close. Because I don't want to just serve a God that is so big that I don't mean anything. But Psalm 36 says, God's love is meteoric. His loyalty, astronomic. His purpose, titanic. His verdicts, oceanic. Yet in his largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. God's love is meteoric. His loyalty, astronomic. His purpose, titanic. His verdicts, oceanic. In his largeness, nothing gets lost. He has the hairs on our head numbered. Whether that's a short count or a long count, he knows it. Nothing is beyond his sight. He cares about every detail of our lives. There's a theologian by the name of G.K. Chesterton, and this is what he said. How much happier you would be and how much more of you there would be if the hammer of a higher God could smash your small cosmos. He's more than able to do what you would ask 
or imagine. Today, God wants to blow the roof off of what we could imagine to be possible because that's the only thing that's holding him back. The limitations that we place on him by not asking, by not believing, and by not circling. Because God-sized dreams are beyond our ability and they're beyond our resource. And they happen because God put them in our hearts because he wants to do it in his will and for his glory. And there is nothing that will keep you in a posture of prayer like believing for something that you can't accomplish. The reason that as Americans we really don't pray often is because we're not trusting God for something that he can do alone. We're content to just trust him for the things, you know, that we can do with just a little bit of his help. And God's saying, I want to blow the roof off of that type of logic today. I want us to learn to really rely upon God. Jesus taught us how to do this in Matthew chapter 10. He told his disciples as he was about to send them out, he said, I want you to go out and I want you to to preach to people. But he said, here's what I want. Don't take any money in your money belts. No gold, silver, or even copper coins. He wasn't afraid of them being robbed. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Go and announce that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. Do you know what the problem we have with that passage is? We prefer predictability. We want to know the whole course of action before we start. And we even use scripture because Jesus said, make sure you know that you have enough before you start building or you're going to look like a fool. There's nothing wrong with saving in your 401k for retirement. But if you start carrying the attitude of, look what I have saved in my retirement, and you want to look down on someone who hasn't saved, and you maybe even get upset that God is gracious toward those who haven't saved and who haven't earned, and my money. I mean, I know we work hard, but it's not ours, and it's not by our strength. It's his. And that's why we have a problem with this concept because we like plan Bs. We want full assurance. We want the money back guarantee. I don't want to go for a walk without a walking stick. What if I can't make it? And sadly, most of us live our entire lives accomplishing only what's possible for us to do. And we don't dream big and God doesn't show up big because we have allowed the roof of human reason and limitation to block what God wants to do in our lives. All the way back in the beginning, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God tried to teach this to his people. Look what he says. I humbled you by letting you grow hungry and then by feeding you with manna. It was a food that was previously unknown to you and to your ancestors, and he did it to teach you that you do not live by bread alone. You live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He said, I want you to trust me, not just trust that, you know, don't just trust me when you've got bread for tomorrow. Trust me when you don't have bread for tomorrow. Trust me that I'm going to supply the bread tomorrow. 
I don't think that we have to take a trip with nothing but the clothes on our back, but maybe we should because some of us claim to rely on God, but we don't rely on him if we don't see how it's going to work out, if we don't see the rest of the story. And we're afraid to dream big because what if God doesn't come through? We need to learn the principle that we can still have money in our pocket but live with this same dependent mindset. And if we don't learn this, God loves us enough to shake what can be shaken in our lives. If we don't learn to trust him, he's okay with shaking the American economy and watching our 401ks just go like this. I'm not saying don't live wise, don't try to store up. Proverbs says it, I know it. But when Jesus taught his disciples, Proverbs was in his hand. He said, trust me. A few years ago, Pastor Brittany came and shared a story about a missions trip that they took, and they took a group of people, and they did a trip just like this. They went without money. They went without extra clothes. They went without a place to stay, and they just went to take the kingdom places because they wanted to break out of what they had thought was possible. And so they went, and God provided everything that they needed. There were some scary moments. There were some run-ins with the law that maybe, uh, in a foreign country, this wasn't America. Okay, and so they went and they got back home and God showed up. We want God to show up, but we would rather him show up on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in our nice air-conditioned room with comfortable seats. The only way you walk on water is to step out of the boat and start dreaming bigger dreams. Most of us are going to continue to live our lives whether God shows up and helps us or not. But I believe we're called to be spirit-led people. And I'm not saying that every crazy dream or every crazy thought that pops into your head comes from God. That's not true. But I don't believe it's possible to be a spirit-led people without a God-sized dream. I don't think it's possible. Sure, it's quiet in this nice, traditional, quiet church. God wants to blow the lid off of our human logic and our human reasoning. He wants to blow the roof off of our fear, our unbelief. He wants to blow the roof off of our tradition and our preference. He wants to blow the roof off of our disappointment and our loss. He wants to remind us that he is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in church, in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and forever. Amen. Here's what I want us to do, and I didn't ask Stan for this, but is it possible to have our worship team come back? I want us to sing Do It Again, because here's, here's what we're going to do. I want to I conclude today with prayer, and if you're here and you can say something in my heart needs God to just blow the roof off. I need him to blow the roof off my dreams. I need him to blow the roof off of my prayers. I'm just not, I'm not content to settle. If you would say there's a restlessness in my heart, and it's a good kind of restlessness. It's just saying, you know what? I'm tired of reading this book and seeing one thing and looking at my life and seeing another. I want to start believing that with God, all things are possible. I don't want to just be crazy and put God to the test, but I don't want to be settled and quiet and reserved. I want to say, God, I want you to blow the roof off of what's in my head. This is what I'm going to ask us to do in just a moment. I'm going to call you to the front.
And I'm gonna pray a prayer over you. We're gonna sing a song together called Do It Again that we already sang earlier in the service. And then I'm gonna pray a closing prayer and you're gonna be dismissed and you're gonna get out early today. Well, at least I expect to. Because I wanna give you time to let the Holy Spirit just marinate this truth in our hearts. Because here's the thing, you're not gonna be convinced because I told you something. The only way you're gonna be convinced is if the presence of God gets in your heart so much that it blows the roof off of it. I can't do it, only he can. And that's been my prayer all week long, God, do what only you can do. I can't make that happen. And so I'm gonna invite you to stand with me. And if you would say, you know what? I want the roof to blow off of my dreams, my prayers, my thoughts. I want you to come. I want you to just come to the front and I want you to stand with your hands in a receptive stance like this because I'm gonna pray for God to start blowing the roof off of our dreams, God to play the, grow the roof off of our dreams, that his will, that his glory is gonna be done in ways that we can't even imagine are possible. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would do a work in our hearts that only you can do. God, we admit right now that we've limited your work in our lives. God, we didn't mean to do it, but we've just let the busyness of life, we've let the disappointments, we've just let the burdens that we carry, God, we've just let them get so heavy that we've been afraid. God, we've been afraid to trust you. We've been afraid to believe you for impossible situations. We've been so afraid that you wouldn't answer the prayer that we didn't pray for that person that was sick. But God, we don't wanna live there anymore. We wanna put your name on the line. God, we wanna do what you've asked us to do. We wanna respond to you and we don't want fear and unbelief. We don't want tradition and preference. We don't want all of the, the things that have happened in our past to keep us from trusting you in this moment. So God, we ask you today to come and to blow the roof off of our human reasoning, to blow the roof off of our human logic, to blow the roof off of our dreams and our prayers. And God, cause our hearts to overflow with hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, you are the same God that did these miracles in the Bible. You're the same God that healed the warts on Mark Batterson's feet and took away his asthma. God, you're the same God that has done all of these things. Do that again. God, we've heard of your fame. We've heard of your deeds, but God, renew them in our day, in our time. Make them know. Holy Spirit, break down every barrier in our lives, every barrier in our hearts, everything that keeps us from believing and trusting you fully. God, we just simply ask that you do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Waiting for chains to come